Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Trumble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Steve Taylor. How are you two doing? Pretty good. Yeah, doing well. Getting some classics. I mean, to varying degrees, but some classics this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interestingly, too, like the the double feature this week is pretty much a remake of uh, the the first movie. So the first movie we're going to talk about is the 1931 Dracula movie, and then Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, kind of remade it uh, with, you know, some different uh, alterations to the story as why it's going to be interesting because mm-hmm. it's not like it. we normally talk about two movies that are like kind of tang- tangentially related or whatever, but this is like pretty much the same story, albeit arguably they kind of flesh out different parts of the story, less or more. Like, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to compare the two, so... But uh, yeah, um, we we are. I have not seen Cocaine Bear yet, but I'm very excited to see it. Oh, I'm very excited. Part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm super excited to see that one. Um, also, before we start, uh, I because because we've covered found footage a, um, a few times before. Uh, there's a new one out, and I'm not talking about Skinamarink, which I actually haven't seen yet. Um, I'm talking about a movie called The Outwaters. Have you guys heard of this movie? No. Mm, no. Oh my god. So it's about basically a, a group of friends that head out into the desert to uh do a like a music video type thing, like a music video shoot and then the first night basically they descend into this gory hell ride and it is just so like, cause it basically it's found footage of they found these memory cards out in the desert, and they're just kind of seeing what's on the memory card. The audience is, and it's I mean the last few minutes of the the film is so like Hellraiser ish, just like in like a dusty desert that, and I, I was just incredible. <laughs> like it it it's it's so unsettling from start to finish. So I highly recommend if people find that one. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I will watch anything found footage because yeah. I'm just one of those people. But that premise of like, we just happened to find this shit in the desert and now yeah. we're just watching it and solving yeah. this mystery. It's like my favorite. It's like pure Blair Witch vibes. I love it. Absolutely. I, I will totally add that to my list. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Skingam- Skinamarink is, is very good. It's, um... I don't know. It's definitely not a conventional horror movie and i think some people are getting lost on that where they're like they're expecting more of your classical kind of horror movie mm-hmm. but it's if you accept it for what it is i think it's very good it's just it's yeah it's it's a bit of a stretch for some people to be like a horror movie per se where it's it's doing things that like i would argue if you're probably more into like stuff like the a24 horror you're probably gonna mm. like it but yeah okay cool because i was gonna ask like what's the best atmosphere like like you watch it like late at night all in the dark like what, what's the best way to take in skinamarink 
Uh, with children around. I'm no, I'm <laughs> That's the best answer. Don't, don't do that. No, please don't. <laughs> Once you watch the movie, answer. you'll understand. But yeah, don't watch the movie with kids around. <laughs> or maybe do. Uh, just give them a little bit of nightmare feel. I mean, kitty. Start them young. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of young, none of us were alive when this movie came out. But Night no. Dracula from 1931. <laughs> um... Yeah, a um, this is uh, one of those universal monster movies of which there's quite a few. Um, notoriously, to Universal tried to relaunch that a few years back with a cast photo, which now looks like a, a career deathbed for <laughs> some of those actors. But yeah, yeah um, now the original uh, 1931 Dracula movie. Famously, Bella Lugosi, black and white. Um, I think this movie kind of, uh, I mean, obviously sets the stage for a lot of Dracula stuff going forward in terms of adaptations, but it's interesting to go and watch it and see kind of where, at least for Dracula on film, it all started. Uh, I mean, I guess Nosferatu is close, but not quite the same. But at least for me, like I, I would probably say this is the original dracula movie i would say so too and bella is a whole mood he is he just yeah. drives that whole mood and um i mean because i i it's funny um when we were getting ready to do this one you sent out because it was on youtube and it's also on what well, sorry taylor you saying an archive site? oh the inter the internet archive yeah internet archive there. yeah um, so I was getting ready to do that, to do that for this weekend to, to watch it. And then I went, wait a second. So I ran down to my shelf. I have the universal horror monsters collection on 4k. So oh, I ended nice. up watching this on, on, a, uh, on 4k, um, which kind of pronounces the grain of the whole thing a bit more. Mm. Um, especially some of those, the, the, um, the, the dark mountainous shots. Um, in the beginning of the film, mm. worked really well with that new scan on it. Um, but I will say that um, there's so much darkness in this movie that yeah. I feel like doesn't translate to home viewing. Mm. Um, it's just a lot of black screen. Um, but then at the same time, there's such brilliant use of shadow in this film and and i mean especially with the with lugosi's eyes and yeah. some of those those vampire hypnosis scenes are so well done and it, it sometimes you forget that this movie was made in 1931 yeah some of the production values on this are like really quite incredible especially yeah considering that this movie is nearing 100 years old yeah um, and imagine doing some of those in-camera techniques that they're doing with this and having no playback, yeah. no on-set playback. You don't know, like, I, I assume that they didn't know how everything looked and what they shot until going through the dailies in the mm -hmm. editing room, maybe that night or the next day or whatever, right? So it's like Todd Browning, uh, the, the director of this film, um, and I, I mean, like such a storied career that that guy had. I mean, he did Freaks and uh, and a handful of other films. 
Yeah. Um, he really was an auteur of the time that was making advancements that had never been seen before. Like even some of that hokey bat stuff that they did, um, some of that had never been done before. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I mean, I think most people know the Dracula story, but the official summary, uh, the dashing, mysterious Count Dracula after hypnotizing a British soldier, Renfield, into his mindless state or slave, uh, travels to London and takes up residence in an old castle. Soon Dracula begins to wreak havoc, sucking the blood of young women and turning them into vampires. When he sets his sights on Mina, the daughter of a prominent doctor, vampire hunter Van Helsing enlist, is enlisted to put a stop to the Count's never-ending bloodlust. It's a pretty good uh, official summary, I gotta say. Actually, probably makes sure. the movie sound more badass than it might be, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, when was the first time we watched this movie? Uh, for the podcast, I think I've seen clips of it here and there, but, um, yeah, for largely for sit down and a full, full on watch. Uh, yeah, it was for the podcast. Same. Yeah, same for me. Yeah. Wow. Is this a, that's the first time watch for all of us. Look at that. Um, yeah, I like similarly, I've seen clips and I think I've seen like probably the most popular clips from this. And obviously, you know, mm -hmm. the general like story of this but yeah to watch it from start to finish this was the first time i've ever done that so yeah wasn't that exciting i don't think i, I can't even remember the last time we've had a, a movie where it's all a first time watch for all of us but mm. that's pretty cool uh we do have a couple emails henry says a good companion to this movie albeit not a horror movie is ed wood details bella lugosi's later career when he was making movies like plan nine for outer space um yeah that's a good mm -hmm. point yeah uh ed wood a great movie uh yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah even well i would also say too check out the hammer horror films too i mean we didn't if this was a triple feature i would somehow find a way to work in a hammer film but the hammer films were also really good as well we've actually covered a couple of hammer films on this podcast i think but yeah hammer dracula when was when did that one come out 1958 oh. i think yeah that'd yeah. be the, the the first christopher lee one yeah yeah so that one also has has some some charm to it as well so Precipice, you got. I think you also have Peter Cushing as Van Helsing in that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They were always such a good tandem. Yeah, they really of, were. Of hero and villain, though at the same time, Van Helsing and and I mean we'll get into this more, um, with the uh, the Bram Stoker's version, the Coppola one. Um, there's something maniacal about Van Helsing. He's slightly an anti-hero. Yes, because his methods are not sound of sound mind, um, and I think that his pursuit of the vampire has damaged him to the to to the his detriment. I think. Yeah, that's something I think about the nineteen ninety two Dracula movie is that it definitely seems to flesh out some characters and give them some more kind of backstory that yeah the 31 film doesn't really give as much 
Although, yeah, mm-hmm. arguably Renfield has more in the third, 1931 film than he does in the Bram Stoker one. I always uh, think it's funny, too, that in the 1931 one, Renfield was just hypnotized because they thought that Dracula having a full-on scene where he turns him into a vampire was uh, too gay, so they didn't want to play that out, and they were like, nah, Dracula only turns women into vampires, we're just going to stick with that. So instead, Renfield becomes this like hypnotized, crazy character instead of a full-on vampire slave like everyone else. Um, which I guess they they kept that up in the I I don't know exactly I have not read the the original Dracula book so I'm not quite sure if it's different in the book but it's that the same thing is kind of in the '92 version with uh, Renfield where he's just kind of a little loopy instead of full on turned. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the 1992 version he's a bit more played for laughs I think than in the 1991 yeah. film. Uh, and then Jesse says, where would you rank this among the Universal Monster movies? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I haven't seen enough of them to yeah, properly rank it. I would need to revisit them more. I know there are some I've seen. I've seen Frankenstein, obviously. I believe I've seen The Wolfman. I don't think I've seen The Claude Rain's Invisible Man. Um, I don't really remember Creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, there's still many that I haven't seen. I think... Frankenstein might be the number one, though. Yeah, I think for me, like, a Bride of Frankenstein is another great mm-hmm. one um, mm-hmm. that, I, that I think is really good. But, like, honestly, like, some of the sequels are pretty good, too. Like, Dracula's Daughter is also, like, mm-hmm. kind of... I think it doesn't get really talked about as much. But, like, I don't know, there's kind of, like, a lesbian kind of undertone to Dracula's daughter that I think is really interesting um you know honestly I kind of like a lot of them for all different reasons um but I think for me Bride of Frankenstein would probably be above Dracula personally but yeah there's a lot of great great uh, universal monster movies I would love if like one of the streaming services just started like having them all on there I don't think mm. any of them have them right now but I like to looking through the list of this. It seems like everyone, all the monsters get their own movie, and then all the monsters' sons get their own movie because there's always, <clears throat> excuse me, Frankenstein, and then son of Frankenstein, and then Dracula, and then son of Dracula. It's it's. I know that the mask came out in the '90s, but it's very much like the mask and son of the mask, and it just kind of makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Actually, apparently, almost all of the Universal Monster movies are on Peacock, so. Mm. Americans can get it. Yeah. Darn it. Or if you have a <laughs> VPN. This is I true. I mean, I didn't what? say that. I get to go through that, because I get to go through that box set, because it's funny enough, the first disc in it was Dracula. So, oh. I essentially, mm. I'm starting at the beginning. There you go. Uh, I think Dracula might be the first one they released, too, I want to say. I don't think there's any other ones that predate Dracula. I could be wrong, but I think for, like, that little universe of movies, Dracula was the first, I want to say. Unless you count The Man Who Laughs, which I think came out in 1928, but, um... What was everyone's favorite line from this movie? 
Oh, Bella Lugosi had some some good like eerie ones. Mm-hmm. I think the ones that I wrote down were uh, the spider spinning his web for the unwary fly. The blood yeah. is the life, Mister Renfield. Yeah. And I know that it technically doesn't count as a line when he just stares at someone, but those scenes those scenes were good. But I, like after a certain number of them too, I was I was like is this the same scene that they've just like sprinkled in throughout the movie because <laughs> it was always like the exact same stare yeah um which kind of made me laugh a little bit but was also very good and i imagine uh if you were in the 1930s and were terrified of vampires it would be very terrifying yeah um i went with uh children of the night what music yeah because that's just like his delivery of that is just so phenomenal mm-hmm yeah, and it's spoiler for for um, Bram Stoker's, but um, I my favorite line from both movies is the same line, and just I think it's in delivery of um, what each kind of Dracula is, and I think they're the way that Lugosi delivers it and the way that Goldman delivers it are indicative of the type of Dracula that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there is some, there there is they're, they're both gleeful in in how they're delivering it, but Lugosi's is more purposeful, and yeah. um, there is a maniacal nature about how um, Oldman does it because Oldman's energy as Dracula is was very different than the mm-hmm. Lugosi portrayal. But yeah, I'm gonna have to go with just I, I really I really like how those lines set up the characters. Yeah. Cool. Uh best performance. Not I mean one. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but everyone else is playing like third or fourth fiddle to sure. I, I would also say Dw- Dwight Fry though as Renfield. Mm. Um because there is such a a difference in when we first meet him to how he's antagonizing our main characters by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's such a, a difference in performance. So I mean, he is definitely a dark horse runner-up to to Bela Lugosi, and everyone else is pretty pretty damn stiff. Especially David Manners as John Harker. Um, if we're going to be hating on actors that are playing jo- uh, Jonathan Harker, um, we 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 can't just fully focus on Keanu in the next one. We have to talk about David Manners as well. Yeah. It's just not a rich role to play. I think it's very milk toast mm-hmm. of of a character anyway. He's very a, a go get him do gooder. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and they they do they paint him in such bland strokes in both films. Like even the second film, like he's like like near the end of the film he's like weathered and, and like grayed from his his situation, but he still hasn't changed as a human being. No. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that they give, in the 1931 film, they give his opening scene where he goes to Dracula's castle to Renfield. To Renfield, yeah. And I feel like maybe if they had left that with Jonathan Harker, maybe we would care more about his character. But instead, he kind of just shows up as Mina's random love interest. And you're just like, okay, well, he has to be here because she's going through this. And obviously, if he's the husband-to-be, then that makes sense. But, like, other than that, he's just kind of there. Like, he's just a set piece. Yeah, Yeah. and it's almost like Coppola made that whole thing much more effective by having um, 
Renfield already in an insane asylum, and this t and and this time we have Harker is the one that's going to do all of his arrangements to get him to America. It makes mm. the dynamic much more different, and it I I think I I would say it improves on that whole plot line. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh. The thirty one move the thirty one film is only an hour and fifteen minutes, so it doesn't have a lot of it doesn't have a lot of exposition to play with. Mm. Rather especially as much as Coppola loves to do exposition, it just there's just no time to do that in an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah, well I mean it's an hour and fifteen for this one and oh, just over two hours yep. for uh, yeah, the Coppola exactly. one. So mm -hmm. a lot more time. <laughs> yeah. Um, best kill. Um, there's not a whole lot of kills in this. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's really too much going on there. No, this is fine. Um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like what was the one that kind of stood out the most. Like every faint made me laugh. True. <laughs> yeah. I guess Renfield's death probably. Yeah. Like it's not even that great but it's probably the best one like i don't know <laughs> he just gets dropped down some stairs it's not yeah. even that great but no. i don't know i was like uh okay sorry 1931 but your kills your kill counts weren't weren't nearly what the the 80s or 90s would do so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm sure if someone from the 1930s saw an 80s horror movie, they would also faint. So it it <laughs> kind of fits. Fair, yeah. Like the, back then, someone getting hugged and then dropped downstairs was considered intense. Pretty, yeah, pretty scary stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um. Dumbest decision. Um, I, I put any time Dracula said something ominous and scary and Renfield or anyone else in the vicinity did not just run away and leave him alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that one too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously Renfield showing up to the castle in the first place is probably the most dumbest decision. Um, but yeah. I also, this is not really related to the movie itself. But, like, I question why, when, it, during the age of coaches, why people would put their luggage up with the driver where it seems like it could very easily fall out instead of just keeping it with them in the back. That's just some random thought I had while I was watching this movie that doesn't actually pertain to the movie itself. But that seems kind of dumb, too. So I thought I would rant about it for a bit. I went with uh, Dracula trusting Renfield when Renfield then basically leads Van Helsing and Jonathan right to him. I'm mm -hmm. like, do you really think Renfield was up to the task? Like, you gotta delegate better, Dracula. Come on. <laughs> you should have pushed him down the stairs sooner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you really think Renfield, like, just take one look at that guy. You really think he's gonna be trustworthy of this job? Not quite. <laughs> okay. Um... I think it's time to score this. Some people might get very upset by this, but I'm going to give this a 7. I, I do think this movie has some merits, but I also think it's it's dated in a lot of ways, obviously. And 
I mean, I respect it for what it's trying to do, especially for its time, but I can also see why this would be ripe for uh, a new adaptation at the same time, too. So, yeah, 7 out of 10. <laughs> Still think it's worth watching, if anything, just to see how films were made back then. Give it some, some respect and appreciation for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would, I think I would agree with, like, a seven. There are definitely some, I mean, if we're just looking at plot points, things like that, it does kind of, I don't know, there's, there's a little bit that could have been added to it, kind of like we were talking about earlier with some added exposition or added just things to certain characters or things like that. Um, but yeah, in terms of being made in 1931, it's still it's still really good. It sets up a good atmosphere. It's, I mean, maybe that's mostly in part to Bella Lugosi. So maybe we should be thanking him for most of that. But, um, yeah, seven, seven feels right to me too. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I think I'm going to, it's seven or 7.5 around there. Um, it, uh, there's a reason why this movie is so iconic. Um, and, it was very surprising uh, for a movie as old as it was um, how engaged I was with it, with a lot of it. Mm, um, yeah. There's still a lot of stuff that's rough. Um, like I said, the fainting stuff and everything. Um, and I, I don't definitely don't find it scary. I could watch it with my daughter and they wouldn't have any issue with it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's... It, it's set up so much um, in in the genre we love, so you got to give it props in that in that regard. Yeah. So yeah, I'll go with this. I'll go with the seven point five. Nice. And yeah, definitely recommend watching the nineteen fifty eight film too. Mm -hmm. On top of watching these ones, like if you really want another kind of adaptation of Dracula, the the Hammer films are also quite good for that as well. Mm. I I feel like too for like a, a movie like this from the 30s that is such a classic like sometimes you give it a score but the scores don't really matter because it is such a precursor to horror in general that no matter how actually good or bad the movie is like it's it's still worth a watch regardless just to to see kind of how the whole i mean this was kind of the birth of dracula the way that he is as we remember him today you know mm -hmm. um and it was interesting i i always kind of go online and i read like the tv tropes and all of the the comments on imdb and things like that and it was interesting um reading those and seeing people talk about how you know we have this image of dracula because of this movie of him in like the his cape and his like very fancy attire but realistically when this movie was made he was just wearing that stuff to blend in when he went to the opera or did any of that kind of stuff and 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 it's just it's funny to see how just dressing of the time and, and things of that time of when this movie was made have made its way into the classic Dracula image that we know. So if if you are a horror movie nerd at all in terms of like lore or other movie inspiration, I feel like regardless of what the the uh, scores we give the movie are, you should definitely check this out regardless. 100%. And like my, my score of a seven is really sort of like for me at least a middle ground between like showing respect for it and showing respect for where like Dracula and horror movies have come from, but also kind of like reevaluating it as a movie in modern times too. And like, mm -hmm. I said, like honestly it held up a lot better than I expected it to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of movies from that time that honestly don't hold up dearly as well as this. Again, not perfect, but I mean, considering the times and now, again, this movie is almost thirty years or a hundred years old at this point. It's 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 really tough to kind of not give it respect when you're like, man, this movie is like older than anybody I know. <laughs> it's just crazy, mm-hmm. but yeah. Definitely, definitely worth a watch at least. Um, yeah, man, it's also just crazy to think about <coughs> that in in eight, seven years, eight years, it'll be a hundred years in from nineteen thirty one. It feels so much closer <coughs> than that, which is weird. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Cool. Well, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at the Steeble Dead. Uh, you can also find my website Steve w- Steve Stebbing uh, I am also on uh, the Shift with Shane Hewitt. Uh, that's nationwide in Canada at Thursdays 11 p.m. Pacific time, and on any Chorus Entertainment rec- uh, radio station. And uh, I'm also uh, now a new co-host on a monthly show called After the Credits. And I uh, just Google that one. Nice. Cool. All right. Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I sometimes hang out on Instagram or Twitch under the username Techronomicon. I upload movie scores for things we cover on the podcast and then sometimes other random things that I either really enjoy or really hate on Letterboxd under the username Circeanic. And uh, if I end up doing anything else online uh, that you want to check out, I update on my blog, circeanic.home.blog. Nice. Um, and yeah, I'm over at uh, 3nerds.com where you'll be able to catch my review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, as well as the trashy Netflix dating reality series, Perfect Match. So go check those out. I'll tell you right now, both of them are enjoyable for vastly different reasons. Um, yeah, and then I'm over on f- Twitter, Film Credit Kurt, Fatal Koala on Letterboxd, where you can contribute to the massive amount of lights that have been pouring in for my review of the um, Christopher Nolan movie Dunkirk. Every day, I get at least one notification <laughs> that somebody liked my review, and I'm like, I think this will just happen until the day I die. I'll just keep getting notifications of of people liking that review (laughs) and um yeah well until next time we're talking about dracula again with bram stoker's dracula from 1992 bye for now